All right, well, good morning again, and uh, welcome to uh, everyone who is here. Uh, for those of you who are here this morning as visitors or guests, special welcome to you. Glad you made your way here this morning and found us, and uh, I trust that you feel welcome in your time with us today. You should have got a bulletin on your way in. There's more information about things that are going on in the, in the weeks ahead. Um, and if you would like any more information at our welcome counter, there is a uh, connect card. You can fill that out, return that to one of our greeters, and they will help get you connected with uh, just anything uh, that would be helpful um, to you. And uh, there's a lot of different things going on, uh, great connection points. So um, excited to have you here this morning. And I'm excited to be able to introduce you to some new friends of mine um, if you don't know, we are connected to uh, a denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is just a family of churches that are passionate about the things of God, uh, passionate about the Great Commission. And, and one of the ways that we partner together as a family is by um, just uh, connecting and, and empowering people to go fulfill the Great Commission, which is to uh, take the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think we, we end just about every week with that prayer that we could, um, we could see the gospel extended from Carmel uh, throughout this tri-state region, throughout our country, and to the ends of the earth. And that kind of is an echo of that Great Commission uh, that Jesus left us with to, uh, to take his gospel out. And so... Uh, I have some new friends um, that are connected uh, with our district in southern Jersey, and they are here today to uh, talk about how God has put them on a journey. Um, they had a little bit of a challenge journeying from South Jersey up to Carmel this morning. Um, so the Jersey Turnpike strikes again. Um, it's hard to escape that traffic even on a Sunday morning, but they got here. And uh, really excited to hear from them about this journey of faith that, uh, that they are on. If you were here last week, you remember the passage that we looked at said, uh, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And I don't think there's any better way to tee this up than with that verse, because I think that just embodies uh, their entire life right now. Um, so there is this journey of faith that uh, Jim and Peggy have been on. They're on their way to Spain, and they are going to be ministering to, I'm going to let them tell the story, but I'm pretty sure, tell me if I get it wrong, Moroccan refugees. Is it? Yes, African. Okay. Um, so this is really an exciting thing, and uh, I am expecting that we are starting here a friendship that's going to last for a long time. And uh, so I th hope you will see uh, their heart, their passion, um, and get to know them as they um, introduce themselves and talk about the journey of faith that they've been on. So um, since they, c they came in a little bit late, so they didn't get a chance to kind of get the pulse on what this brand new church they've never been here before has all about. So can we give them a great big Lakeview welcome as they come on up? All right. Here you go. All right. All right, we on? Okay, give us a second while we get our life together. All right. Good morning. Uh, we're, 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 we're so happy to, to make it here right at the nick of time. Um, if you'd asked me a little over an hour ago, I probably could have been convinced that you can lose your salvation on the New Jersey Turnpike. But, but 
God was trying to teach me some patience. So uh, I'm Jim. This is my beautiful bride of 31 years, Peggy. Uh, just so you get to know us a little bit. So, you, you don't need a mic. So, Pastor Brian, uh, we just thank you for the invitation here. Just to, as as he said, it's uh, it's been getting to know each other. We we shared a meal over a dist, uh, district conference, and from the first Zoom call that we had with him, I think that this is just God just connecting hearts. And so, it's our prayer today that that you are encouraged by our journey. You might feel the tug of what God is asking you to do in your assignments, but that he would connect hearts here, that we would have an opportunity to speak to some of you and really just share a little bit more about what we're going to be doing, what our, our journey is. So I'm going to let her kick this off. And Thank you. Um, first, I just I love when we are described as being from South Jersey, because if you actually live in South Jersey, you say that we're from North Jersey. So for those of you who don't think there's a Central Jersey, it, it actually exists. It's the part that nobody claims. That's us. Um, and last week, we were actually in the furthest point south of our district. So now we're in the front. We were down in Cape May. Um, and so I think it's, it's been a, just a, an amazing opportunity to like really meet brothers and sisters and connect hearts across areas that we would not normally find ourselves in. So thank you again for having us. As my husband said, um, we have been married for 31 years. We are the laws. We have four adult children and one grandson. Um, recently, my oldest, our oldest, and our grandson moved to England, which was very unexpected, believe it or not. And she will be getting married in a little December 1st, so in, in a little less than two weeks in England. So there's been a lot of uh, moving parts in our life besides selling a home and um, trying to uh, move to Spain. We have to get our entire family to England for a wedding in two weeks. So it's been a really good time. It's been a really good time. So thank you for having us. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the Bible verses. God has had us on a journey for 15 years. Um, now, I have to be honest, if he told me that this journey was going to take 15 years, I probably would have said, I'll see you in year 14. But he actually always thought that, he always let me believe that it was two to five years. So we have friends that are like, when are you going? I'm like, two to five years. And they have heard me say this for 15 years. So, but he knows what we can handle. And I'm telling you, I would not have, I would have been like, no, that's way too long. I'll be old. <laughs> Okay, so as she said, a 15-year journey, and she heard the call first, which she'll uh, tell you about, but if it were not for some verses that God had given us to guide us over this journey, um, we may not be where we are today because, you know, if, you, if you've ever heard the expression one degree off, like if you... You know, if you're sailing across the lake here, you could probably be one degree off and be fine. But over a long journey, if you're one degree off, you could wind up way off course. And for me, the verse that has always come back every time God has kind of given us a new assignment on this journey has been Psalm 119, verse uh, 115, which is, you know, your word is 105. Your word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. And that verse, every reader or hearer of that verse 
during that time would have understood exactly what I was talking about. And it was just this little household oil lamp that every Jewish household had that they would light at night. And all it would do is give you enough light to see what was right in front of you. So every time that verse would come back to mind, he was, he was just telling me, trust me for the next step. You don't need to see what's way over there. Just trust me for what's right in front of you and be obedient to that. Because if 15 years ago, we threw our applications into to the Alliance and said, hey, we're going to be international workers and going to go overseas somewhere. And you know, we would have read the, the Great Commission very differently. You know, the, therefore, and say it if, if, with me if you know it by heart, you know, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them everything that I have commanded you. We would have, I would have read that anyway, of that go is the operative word. But the operative word is make. You know, the assignment that we have to go to Spain is, you know, we're going to make disciples. So over 15 years, we've been making disciples. The assignment has changed several times. But back then, 15 years ago, we would have said, all right, go. Therefore, go. And do what? I don't know. But we're going. (laughs) And we would have wound up one degree off and in a totally different place than God wanted us to be. So that, that verse was very, very informative for us. And we, we definitely um, had to listen to his spirit and be obedient to whatever he told us because we went from, you know, deacons and then, you know, you know church leaders eventually being licensed in the district and ministering at, on a couple church plants and most recently at Living Water, which was, you know, a brand-new church plant we helped, uh, helped start over seven years ago and getting to, to minister and, and make disciples to the, you know, the, the hurting and the broken and the lost. And the one thing, though, was that we could never convince ourselves that that was the assignment, that that was always going to be the assignment. Because every time we tried to build our own kingdom, there would be a, a, like a check in our hearts, like a, a uh, you know, where... It was a discontentment because what God showed me was that I was taking my eyes off of what he was doing in the nations. And, you know, I know that I know this isn't a feeling, it's a knowing that the Holy Spirit gave me that if I ever took my eyes off of the lost in the nations, that my love for the lost in my local area would soon start to die. So the assignment for all of us is to make disciples. You know, that, that's the call. The, the assignment, how we do it, can be very different. Okay. So the call. Yeah. No, I thought, I thought she said, do I want to do the call? No, she's got the mic. So I got the mic now. He may or may not see it again. Um, So in 2008, um, 
I got a phone call from my sister, and she said, how do you feel about Barcelona? Now, i got to be honest, I didn't even have a passport, so I really didn't have any feelings of Barcelona. I was like, it's city in Spain. And we had some exchange students when I was in high school that were from there, and they were nice. Well, she had the opportunity. She worked for um, a, a large company. She had the opportunity to go to Barcelona for five days for a site survey, and she could get a companion ticket for free. And so she said, do you want to go? Yeah, I want to go on a free trip to Barcelona, for sure. Who doesn't? So I had to get a passport, and we did all that, and, uh, and I went to Barcelona. And it was the worst trip I've ever taken in my life. We fought the entire time. My sister does not know Jesus, and um, we were very unevenly yoked and very upside down, bad boundaries, the whole thing. And so you go five days to a foreign country, you find out exactly how, how bad it is. But on that trip, I heard God. And I came home, and I had really never really heard or felt my spirit God before. But I said to Jim, I, I, I told him all the horrible things that happened. I said, but I think I heard from God. And he goes, really? Well, what did he say? I said, well, he said that I'm going to be living and working overseas. <laughs> and my husband says, oh, that's not God. <laughs> so now... Well, here's the thing. I grew up not reading the Bible. He grew up reading the Bible. Now, he grew up reading the Bible like a history book, but he was still reading the Bible. And so I figured he clearly knows more than I do about hearing from God. So I said, well, how do you know? And he goes, well, that's, that's really easy. He wouldn't call one of us and not call both of us, and I'm not called to full-time ministry. Famous last words. So I'd love to tell you that I submitted... And I became like, I just, I just, you know, accepted that. But the reality is in 2008, where I was, I was most likely to say to him, really? Because I'm pretty sure it was God. And you can either get on the program or get off the program, but I'm going to go with or without you. I'm sorry to say that that's pretty much what would have come out of my mouth, except it couldn't. It was very crazy, supernatural. It was the one thing I, wish, I know he wishes there were more things I couldn't fight with him about, but there was that, it was the one thing that I could not fight with him about. I would choke on my own words. God just would not allow me to even touch that subject. He, was sort of, he just sort of told me, I got him, and you just need to wait on me. So a lot of work had to be done. Um, I'll share with you that we both came to the Lord as adults after we had kids, so we are, we are first-generation believers with that entire, uh, you know, to-me set of luggage that we had to unpack of just bad habits and family patterns and sin and everything to get us to this point where we could be something useful to, to God. And some of the verses that, um, again, that came back to us, you know, in Acts, in the early church, they were given some directives from, from Christ before he, before he ascended back into heaven. And, you know, the one is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And again, 2008, Jim and Peggy would have said, all right, we're gone. And... That was not what God wanted to do right then. Um, because we had to become Acts 1-4 people before we could be Acts 1-8 people. 
And Acts 1, 4 says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We had to become receptive to the Spirit and not force our own plans, but wait for him to speak, be obedient to that next step, and then we would be able to be witnesses. So we had to unpack a lot of stuff parenting, communication, our finances, and just being willing to be used by God. And, and at Living Water, we've kind of, kind of been living by this catchphrase that, that Kelvin, our district superintendent, gave us several years ago, which was giving God our yes. And it's amazing what God's faithfulness will do with a yes. Just offered in faith, it says, yes, I will give you my yes now, Lord, and I don't need to know the whole plan. Use me however you want to use me. And his faithfulness has far exceeded our expectations. Because, as she mentioned, we got a lot of moving parts right now. You know, we're selling a home, which, you know, we, we thought was going to go one way, and it's going a very different way, but we're excited about how God is showing up. It's an amazing testimony. You know, we're, we are raising support. Uh, the part of Alliance Missions that we're going with is called Marketplace Ministries, which really just connects people's vocation with God's calling and allows them to just basically go all over the world and start stuff. So we're going to be joining a nonprofit. Peggy will tell you more about that, but we're going to be joining a nonprofit that ministers to unaccompanied boys that come as unaccompanied minors into Spain. We are quitting jobs, which we will have uh, mixed feelings of, about, of, of probably joy and happiness. But <laughs> <laughs> So there's a lot of moving parts right now. And every single time we've kind of tried to get a little bit ahead of ourselves with the plan, and say, all right, we really think this is going to happen this way. And God's like, no, 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 just, just wait. This is going to be cool. And, you know, we're formally released from our ministry duties at Living Water. So this is what we're doing right now. We, you know, we, we're, we're not going to be back at Living Water on a Sunday morning until Christmas Eve. But that's given us an opportunity to, to speak to different churches in the district and meet a lot of people we would have never met. And it's been amazing just to see how God is showing up in those relationships. Take it back. Um, so one of the assignments that God had given us while we were here was to host exchange students. I, I, by the way, this isn't in here. I have no idea why I need to share this right now. So open your ears. Um, it's him. Um, so we started hosting exchange students for 10 months at a time. So they would come for the whole school year while we already had four kids of our own that were teenagers. So that was a lot of fun. I worked for food for a while, um, especially when we had the boys, the teenage boys who were all on the swim team. Um, so, but it was really cool to see how he brought the nations to our home, how he asked us to open up our home. And I'll tell you, like, when you bring these kids into your house, you are bringing the mission field into your home and there's no hiding. So bad habits, all the things are exposed and there's a lot of repentance that happened, but it was beautiful. Having those students at, at 
later on enabled us to go and visit their families. And on one of those trips, the very first trip, we were in France. Because what God had actually said to us was, I'm sending you by way of France. So there was a time where we thought we were going to France. Um, and we went and visited one of the families who lives in the north of France. And he took us on a tour of the poorest city in France. Most people go and they get a tour of Paris. We got a tour of the poorest city. But it was amazing because the city was very high migrants, very high refugee and asylum seekers, very, um, very poor. But it broke my husband's heart for the nations. Like it broke his heart for these migrants and displaced people groups. And that was about five years after we, I heard the call. So I could see him, God even working in that. Um, so that was really neat. Um, and it, it really did it. it um, he knew at that point that he was gonna be working with marginalized people. Um, so I don't know if we have the slideshow, but we wanna talk about, so why Spain? You might be like, Spain, it's Europe. It's like, life's good in Spain. So, you know, why are you going there? We're, we are not pretending we're gonna go suffer for the Lord. Just so you know, we're not, we know that this is not suffering. It's a beautiful area. It will be very hard, heart-wrenching work, the but it is awesome. <laughs> but it is a beautiful area. So we're not telling you like, oh, poor us, we're going to Spain. But like I said, it is a very emotional, emotional work. So um, why Spain? It's all up there. We don't have to read it to you. The bottom line is that these migrants and refugees and asylum seekers come looking for hope. They come looking for a better life and hoping, um, and hoping for that. And when they get there, more often than not, they realize that there is no hope. And there's no hope because Jesus really isn't there. It's, Spain is only about 2% evangelical. It's, it's growing, but it's growing because of the South American migration there, not because of Spaniards. So while we're going to work with the migrants and asylum seekers, we are working with a Spanish nonprofit so it's registered with the Spanish government. It's run by all alliance people. Um, so we sort of smuggle Jesus in. And um, we, it enables us to work alongside other nonprofits of Spaniards who don't know Jesus. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. We get to show Jesus to these young men as well as to the Spaniards who want to know why these crazy Americans are there. Do you want to? Yeah, the... the the landscape of Spain from a faith standpoint is interesting. Uh, it is post-Christian, you know, like France. We saw that in France, absolutely. At the time of the French Revolution, the, the, the French people traded God for reason and knowledge and at the same time kicked the, the monarchy and the church out of, of France, basically. And the first thing they want to do when you go there is take you to their local cathedral and like this is our church I'm like do you ever come here They're like no never <laughs> but it's our church <laughs> and it's turned into an art gallery or something and in Spain it's it's similar but not quite where in Spain they were victims of just an abuse of religion where from the Inquisition which started off as a way to bring nominal Catholics back into the fold and to bring these priests that, you know, if you had multiple men and, you know, multiple male children, you typically gave one of them to the church as a priest. And they're, they're like, well, do you, do you even know the basics? Can you say, can you know anything? You're living off of the church. Can you even, you know, recite the basics of the faith? So that's how it started, but it turned into 
kicking out the Jewish people and forcing people to to become Catholic to stay in Spain and and that happened and the Reformation totally missed Spain, completely missed Spain, and it continued all the way up until the seventies with Franco until he died because you had to profess Catholicism to be a Spaniard, and when Franco died, they basically said as a country. We've been under the thumb of of organized religion for so long that no one is ever going to tell us what to think again. So they're beautiful, lovely people, very inquisitive, will ask us all kinds of awesome questions about our faith and how how we live it out and why we do what we do. But then when they get to that point of making a decision, they pull back. So this is a long haul, both with the boys that we work with and with the Spaniards that we're going to meet, that they want to know that you care about them. It's not just about making them believe something that that they uh, think you want them to believe. So the next slide, please. So this is the 1040 window. We won't spend a lot of time on it, but this is where most of the unreached people groups of the world come from. And a lot of these places are, are hostile to the gospel. But God in his loving kindness for these peoples, he's moving them to places where we can minister. So even though we're going to Spain, we're dealing primarily with young men that come from Morocco and sub-Saharan Africa. And, you know, they've, they've gone through a lot to get there. And so, you know, Peggy... Um, if you go to the next slide. Yeah. This is just some of the routes they take. Um, I, I took out, there were some, some other pictures in there that weren't, I mean, we've all seen the pictures of the boats coming across the Mediterranean. We've all, it's, it's tragic. Um, but this is where they're coming from. So basically, these are the different routes. If they, when they're coming through Africa, if they get to, once they get to Libya, they have a decision to make. They can either go to Morocco or they can go to... Libya, right? No, if they come through Libya, they're going to um, Italy. If they come through Morocco, they're going to Spain. And then, of course, the central um, Mediterranean, or Libya, they're going to, I'm sorry, yeah, Italy. And Egypt, they go to Turkey or Greece. So um, this is just how they get there. And they all, they're coming on foot mostly. So they're coming across um, the Sahara. They're coming across the Atlas Mountains. Um, the, The young men, we call them the boys, but they're really young men. They're between 18 and, and early to mid-20s. Um, they came as unaccompanied minors, so they came without parents. Um, and they did this. They either came in a group or with a group, but they tre- made this like really horrible journey on their own. If you can go on to the next slide for a second. So these are our boys. So we, we're going to say, um, why Amor? So these young men, like I said, they come across as um, unaccompanied minors. When they get to Europe, the, the international law is that the government protects them if they're under 18. So they're housed in centers. Um, they try to give them like a span, an education in Spanish language and stuff, but if you've ever taught, I, I'm actually teaching a high school, and if you teach in an area where there's a predominant language that's not English, you can teach them English all day, but when they're out on the playground or they're in the cafeteria or they're home, they're speaking their native tongue. So their language skills don't develop as much as if they were fully immersed. And that's what you find. So these young men get a Spanish education, but they are all together speaking, I believe, mostly African French. So they're really not learning Spanish. 
when they turn 18, it's a hard out. Like at 18, you are out of the center. You are no longer protected by the Spanish government and you're on the street. And m all of these boys have spent some time on the street. So they're there without family, without network, without language. Most of them came without paperwork, so they don't ha even have their birth certificates. Um, let Forget passports. And they're really without hope. They have no prospects. And so they are targeted um, for either trafficking, because up the coast is, um, there's uh, like kilometers and kilometers of greenhouses, that's modern day slavery, so that's labor trafficking. Or they're jumped into gangs, either Muslim or just gangs, or they are sex trafficked. It's, it's boys and girls now, unfortunately. So that's what they're up against. Um, so why Amor, and how do we help? First and foremost, we help with documentation. Um, because they need to get, be legal and be able to prove who they are in the country before they can um, get a job. I'm not bored, I'm fine. I'm just <laughs> in awe of my wife here. It's, it's my wife, y'all. <clears throat> so the boys, um, they come and they, they don't know it yet, but they crave community and family. So that's, that's one of the most important things that we provide for them. But we are providing meaningful assistance to them in, a, in these other areas, like language learning, job skills, documentation, language. I mean, the, it goes on and on. If you have a teenager, just picture them in a country where they don't speak the language without you and being on their own and forced to fend for themselves. You know, no Venmo, nothing, right? What would they need? The answer is everything, everything. So as I said before, this is, a, this is a long game with them because they, first of all, need to know that you're there for the long haul, that you're just not there just to help and leave, give them some food, because we can feed them, clothe them, house them, get them documentation, but what we're doing is we're bringing the hope and love of Jesus Christ because without that, they could have all those things and still be without hope. And hope is what they're coming for, as Peggy said. So, you know, these are our boys. You can go to the next slide. Yeah, it's amazing how much ministry takes place over food, amen? It's, they're already calling me chef because I cooked for them when I was there um, back in April. And even with our limited Spanish, that's a prayer request, by the way, you, you, can, you can pray for us because we're already in learning already. We have to learn Castellano, not, you know, we have to learn the, the Spanish Spanish, you know, seven past tenses instead of four. And uh, <laughs> So <clears throat> these boys, they immediately gravitate to family and just the conversations that happen over a meal or one-on-one, -on -one, we are presented with the opportunity to share with them the gospel. We do use the Bible to teach them, in, to teach them Spanish, and we'll use it to teach them English. And they know that. You know, and a lot of these boys, they come with, with a lot of trauma because of what they went through to get here and what they've experienced once they did get to Spain. And... So we have to have a holistic program. Right now we can house about 12 boys. And 
you know, we do have, we do have visions for this, be, you know, for, for this growing, but for the first year we're there, we're really just acclimating to the culture, the language, learning from our team leaders and, and applying that. But, <clears throat> you got it? You got it? Getting our life together again. There we go. So, yeah, next slide. This slide isn't here because it was a movie that I saw actually on a flight, and it's, it really documents, um, I know that there's some artistic license, but it documents a, a brother and sister, um, his name is Adu, and their journey from a war-torn country, uh, the two of them, to try to get, like what they went through to try to get to Europe. It's just one version of what happens, but it really did, it, it's a little, it's, it's a little um, tough to watch, but it's well done. So if you're curious about sort of what these kids have been through, maybe why they have so much trauma and why they, they struggle with trust, this would be a really a good watch. You can go to the next. All right, so AMOR. AMOR stands for Assistance to Migrants or Refugees. It works in both Spanish and English, which I appreciate. Um, and this is the project of, it's actually Iber Africa is the name of the, the nonprofit because they worked in um, Morocco as well. And so this is our center. This is where all the, the magic happens. Um, this is where classes happen. This is where language learning happens. Um, really, it's just a meeting place. They only just got this in the last nine months, so it's, they're pretty excited about it. And it's, um, you know, why? Marginalized people, like we said about Jim. Next slide. All right, so what are we asking? We're asking you to partner with us. And there's different ways to do that. So first and foremost, we ask for, we need your prayers. We covet your prayers, not just for us personally, which we absolutely need, but for these boys. Um, just two weeks ago, there was a church retreat that um, the team leader, John, took them to. They voluntarily went on this church retreat, which was, they've never done that before. Um, just about all of the boys, and there were some really great conversations and really great questions that came out of that. There's moving of the Holy Spirit, there's softening of hearts, and so we just ask you to pray for these boys, that God really, you know, the, most of them are from Muslim contexts, and so that he shows up very often with um, people from that context, Jesus shows up as the man in white. And so we've been praying for him to show up in their dreams as that man in white and that they would come to a saving knowledge of him. Because we can, like Jim said, we can feed them, we can clothe them, we can educate them, but if they don't have Jesus, y'all, they're still going to hell. And so that's the reality. And I, I, like, we hate to put it that bluntly. I think it makes us really uncomfortable, but that's truth. So we could maybe make their life here really comfortable, but that does not help their eternity at all. So we do all of this really because we're praying that they come to Christ. Um, the other way you can pray, so prayer, then there's specific prayer. And that is a small group of people that we're asking that we can send confidential prayer requests. Because when we send out our newsletter, it, you'll never see their names. Um, just to keep them safe in case they ever leave the program or they ever go back to their countries. I mean, in this day and age, all you have to do is, is Google somebody's name, and it will come up with everything that they've been associated with. So we don't put their names on social media. We don't put their names in our newsletter just for protection, you know, for present and future for them. Um, so th that would be a specific small group of confidential prayer requests. And then third 
is financial, is support. And I know your church has, they're praying about it and they're, they're praying about how, what partnership looks like for them, but we're asking individuals as well to pray about um, supporting us. And that can be anything from, really anything, as low as five or $10 all the way up. But we do ask that if you choose to do that, first we thank you, um, but we do ask that you do it on a regular basis. There is the option to do a recurring monthly. And the reason we ask that, like we would rather quite honestly, have $5 a month than have $500 one time. Not that that's not great, but for us, we know that from talking with people in the field, that when you get there, it can be really lonely. And seeing that we have a dashboard that tells us who gave and when and how much, it's a love letter. Like it, it, it reminds us that we're not forgotten, that people are still praying for us. And honestly, it reminds you when you see that $5 or $10 or $100, whatever it is, come out to pray for us, and you remember us. And so that's why, because we're looking for a long-term partnership, we're not looking for a splash in the pan. We want to build relationship. Um, we want you to send us your prayer requests and pray one for another. So can I read Romans? Is that cool? I don't know if we end with this, but um, Jim talked about verses that have guided us. Um, the one that I always come back to is Romans 10, 14, and 15. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So we ask you to partner to send us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when you, when you do pray for us, remember that, that we are going to experience all those things, but we, we are leaving a life that we love. You know, as I said, we're in the process of selling a house. We're not just selling a house. We are selling everything. We're not even going to keep a storage unit here because during this process, God kind of revealed to us to just not keep anything here. So, well, yeah, we are leaving three adult children here in the States. Um, but... So prayers for us, prayers for our children. Um, they're all on board with this, but we also know there's going to come times when they miss us terribly, and it's going to be hard for them too. But if it weren't for the fact that he gave us this assignment, we would not be able to do this. No possible way. I would absolutely be building my own kingdom if it weren't for this, because... I've had those conversations with God. Like, all right, Lord, we're, we're quitting jobs and we're, we're giving up our peak earning years. Just show us that we're not going to be a burden to our kids later in life, that, that we're going to be able to do this. And we can go through that, but we don't want to be a burden to our kids. You know, we, we have an incredible community where we are. We've been part of, as, as Pastor Brian said, part of this district and part of the this. Christian Missionary Alliance for over 20 years. And, you know, district conference is like a big family reunion to us. We're not going to have that here over there. We're going to have to build community. So we absolutely are going to be sustained by your prayers. So we would just love if you would um, meet us in the lobby after and talk to us a little more. Um, we would love to pray for you if you're just feeling that tug on your heart about, all right, I you know, I, I feel that, but I don't know what my assignment is. You know, so we can pray about 
how you're going to live out that call to make disciples. But, you know, we, we absolutely, um, you know, appreciate it. We're more than willing to go through traffic and three, you know, three hours in the car to get here to talk to you. You know, so, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I see you. I see you back there. You know, we're going to be, we are going to be in Malaga, Spain, on the south of Spain, but, you know, Barca. we love Barca. So thank you again. Thank you again. And we're